This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood films. This month, we are taking a look back at who framed Roger Rabbit to see if our nostalgia is warranted. Uh, I definitely picked this movie because I forced my friends to watch the Super Mario Bros. movie and had to make it up to them with a better Bob Hopkins movie. Bob Bob Hop Bob Hopkins Bob 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 Barbaran movie. So, I'm going to start us off with a 60-second synopsis, if one of you can pull up a timer. Now, I timed myself doing this, and I guarantee I won't be able to do it. So, we'll see how terrible it is. Why break tradition now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a streak, why break it? Alright, give me a countdown, and I'll get it going. I assume I'm doing that. I already have a clock pulled up, so... Well, then, yeah, you should probably should. Did you think I was going to? <laughs> Why break tradition now? <laughs> Three, two, one, go! Eddie Valiant, a private eye who hates students, is hired by cartoon magnate R.K. Maroon to follow the wife of his star, Roger Rabbit, suspecting infidelity. Eddie, Eddie goes to see the wife, Jessica, perform, meeting the famous Marvin Acme, owner of Toontown in the crowd. Eddie gets photos of Jessica and Acme playing patty cake later that night, and when Roger sees them, he runs off to the night distraught. The next day, Acme is dead without a will, and Roger is the main suspect. Eddie goes to the crime scene and meets the cruel Judge Droom, who has found a way to kill Toons and is convinced of Roger's guilt. Eddie discovers Acme's will and the photographs he took, and Roger hiding in his office. Eddie refuses to help Roger, but is forced to when they're handcuffed together. With Doom in pursuit, Eddie frees himself from Roger and connects Maroon to the mystery, goes to interrogate him, to find Maroon set him up to blackmail Acme into selling to town so Maroon could sell his own studio. The interrogation ends when Maroon is shot, and Roger is kidnapped, forcing Eddie to travel where he never wanted to go, Toontown. When he finds Jessica was the kidnapper, she reveals Acme gave her the will before his death, but it was blank. When they try to capture the real killer, however, they're captured instead. At the Acme factory, Doom reveals he murdered Acme and Maroon so that he could buy Toontown and tear it down to build lucrative highway rest stops. Eddie manages to kill Doom's henchmen with laughter, and Doom reveals he is not only a tune himself, but the tune that killed Eddie's brother. In a fight to the death, Eddie uses Acme's wares to kill Doom with his own tune-killing invention. Eddie also pieces together that Acme's will was written on disappearing, reappearing ink, and has now reappeared, leaving Toontown to the tunes. So, I knew it was going to go over, but that is a good rundown of the film. It's really hard to know what to take out of a murder mystery type story. Because, like, there's so many twists and turns and piecing the mystery together. And they're all vaguely important. Anywho, let's get into long form. What we saw as adults that we may have missed as children. I don't know if there's anything I missed because I'm pretty sure I watch this movie at least once every year or every other year. So, I've seen it a thousand times. I am very Wow, much you watch it way. once a year and you've seen it a thousand times. You must be old. I am. She's not as old as you, Mark. <laughs> You're the oldest man alive. Don't worry. Um, you know, I remember seeing this as a kid and I remember liking it. And then, um, I know I have seen it 
since then before we watched it for the podcast but even so i don't watch it every year so there are always some things that i'm like oh yeah i forgot that that thing happens like the the one main thing that i always think about is how it reminds me of honey i shrunk the kids because the when honey i shrunk the kids was out uh when you used to actually go places to rent videos they would have the little oh. short, the shorts at the beginning, and there yeah, was Robert, Roger Rabbit shorts oh. at the beginning of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and it's the, always the, the ba- one with the little baby, one. and Roger's trying to save it. Wow. So yeah, you're right. Because so, <laughs> I had did they was Roger Rabbit a thing? Because I only remember him from this movie. <sighs> like, did, was he a made up cartoon for the studio for to sell their movies? He. He was supposed to be a thing. Um, ah. Michael Eisner, when he took over the company, wanted Roger Rabbit to be his Mickey Mouse. But things happened and he wasn't as popular as they wanted him to be, so they didn't do as much with him as they had planned. Because they had, well, Sarah would know, they have areas of the parks that they wanted to be dedicated to him and, and all this. But that some, Well, I think they still did that in California, but not in Florida. So um, just some of that stuff got canceled because he was not as popular as they hoped. Um, Interesting. Yeah, there's a section of Toontown. Yeah. Well, he has a, there's a ride? There is a ride. It is one of my favorite rides. It has... Uh, Toontown opened when I was maybe seven. I remember it opening. I remember going, like, the first weekend and going to Toontown. And, but Who Framed Roger Rabbit has the best line of a ride at Disneyland, and that's saying a lot. It has a great line. Well, characters talk to you through walls. There's all sorts of things to mess with. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Why you mean like the cue? Oh, yes. We yes, were sitting here waiting cue for to you to, to, to like, no. repeat a line well, to us. What's the phrase that a person <laughs> no, no, says? No, 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 like waiting line. And as got Mark it, knows, it, Disney it, is it. known for having great lines, having creative, interesting things to keep you busy when you have to stand in line for three hours. It, th- now, I've never ridden it, but from my understanding is that it is a similar concept to Mr. Toad, where you just ride around in the car and do crazy do, things. Yes. I and then you die at the end, apparently, I think. You do not die at the end. Mr. <laughs> Toad, you die at the end. Roger Rabbit, you do not die at the end. It's because you're a um, cartoon in Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes, cartoons yeah, can't die. But, but it's it's similar to the, like, is. weird things happen, and you're, you're riding in the cab, the cab from... Who Framed Roger Rabbit? The the talk Benny. Mm-hmm. Benny is his yes. Name. You're so right. you're you're in the cabs and you're you're going around and and doing all the 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 nineteen twenties style criminal things in this ride. But it is very um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where it's probably weirdly dark for a kids ride where you're just in a car. But uh, appropriate to this movie for sure. Well, to be fair, this is based on a book that was not a kids book. I, I definitely get that sense here, where it, it does seem to be based on those classic hard-boiled detective novels, where person is investigating, you get a lady coming into his office to hire him for a mystery, and he gets caught up in intrigue and gets shot at and dangerous things happen, but he solves the crime, and they just gotta put cartoons around it. Which works really it well. It makes it a this. kids' movie, I mean, right? I mean, well, no, but the adding the stuff isn't what Disney added. Like the book, which is not a kids' book, 
that it's based on is called Who Censored Roger Rabbit? The huh. adding the detective stuff and the cartoon stuff is from the book. Um, and the 1981 book. Um, so that wasn't just a we're taking a criminal thing, like a Disney thing. This was uh, Gary K. Wolf. Um, and I think they did have to make a bunch of changes. Oh, for sure. It definitely still has the adult tone, but everything's kind of tongue-in-cheek, something that a kid wouldn't pick up on necessarily. Because I remember seeing this as a kid, and I definitely don't remember the the baby who's actually 55 talking about <laughs> his baby penis in how it doesn't work the way he wants it to. <laughs> Anywho... The other thing I really enjoy about this film is I think this may be the only film, major motion picture anyways, to feature both Disney and Warden Brother cartoons in kind of equal measure. Because you have that battle of Donald Duck versus Daffy Duck and the dueling pianos. There's a scene where he's falling from a great height and he meets Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny in the air. And I can't think of a, another film at least major motion picture, there may be a side cartoon where there's crossover, where both of those would feature prominently. I feel like I have a piece of trivia that goes with this. Mm -hmm. And and it's lost. It's lost in my brain. <laughs> okay, because the piece yeah. of trivia I've heard, which I can't verify, is that for at least the major stars of Disney or Warner Brothers, is that they have equal frames in the film. Yes, that I have heard. That was not okay. the trivia that my brain... That doesn't scratch my brain itch, which makes me think that was not the piece of trivia my brain wanted me to say, so... Well, just, you know, stick in a uh, pipe cleaner through your ear and get that scratching going. Well, and yeah, I, obviously there were some copyright things behind that in order to get everybody in one film, and that's probably why you don't see it very often. But I think, yeah, I don't, I have heard this story before, but I don't remember what it was either. So my trivia might be about the same as Sarah's, but I just don't remember. So hopefully she'll remember it soon. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the, the other thing that this film, probably the book created as well, that I think is really interesting way to, or interesting world building is that cartoons are the movies of this universe. Like, we... Normally you see how, like, cartoons are just the real world. You see a human going into their real world, where in this, the, the cartoons that we see on TV are shot much like a TV series would be, or a movie. And so all the cartoons that we know and love are just actors in this universe. Where Two Town is bright and colorful and crazy, but all the things we're familiar with are somewhat fake and filmed on a studio. Because Roger Rabbit is a famous actor in this universe. And so it gives it kind of that whole um, L.A. classic movie star setting for this whole 1920s detective story to go into. Now, is that... <laughs> It, are cartoons the only movies they have, or do they also have real people in movies? I don't know. At one point, they do go to a movie house, and it's um, a Goofy film. It's more than one time Goofy's come up this podcast. Um, and then, <laughs> like, a newsreel. Yeah, they're doing and, like, the pre-show newsreels. Right. So is that 
is the goofy film they see, is that the main attraction? I guess that's the question. Well, I mean, the question is, now we're going to try to think of my 1920s, 1930s history. Sure. I think originally the newsreels were the most popular because people weren't necessarily, you didn't have TVs and all this stuff to spread, so people would go to the movies to see the news, and they added the cartoons to make it longer, and then it switched to people were going specifically to see the cartoons, and the newsreels were becoming the less popular, and that's how we transitioned into these longer-formed narrative movies. Well, it used, yeah, and it used to always be you would get the cartoon shorts before the full-length movie, so that the kids had something to enjoy if the if the movie was too adult- but if I remember so, correctly, originally so, the newsreels were more important, but then people were specifically coming just to see the extra cartoons and, and episodicals that were included with it, and there was a shift in what people wanted to see. Partially because we're talking 1920s to 1940s, it's a lot of terrible news, and it turned out People didn't want to go learn about the war or the stock market crash or things like that. They liked going and seeing funny creatures hit each other in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was much later when we wanted to bring the war into our homes. It was definitely not during this era. Oh, yeah, it was during that time when we made the movie Wag the Dog. Oh, I like that movie. I made a Wag the Dog reference earlier this week. It had something to do with someone making some comment about making up a war, and I'm like, this is not Wag the Dog! And then someone looked at me, and I'm like, okay. It's a movie. Apparently that's not a reference that goes over well. (laughs) (laughs) It was perfectly useful in that thing, it's just apparently Oh yeah, it's very apropos, but people have to know the reference to get the reference. I apparently thought it was a more popular movie than it apparently has been. Yeah, I can't think it's very popular. I've definitely seen it. I remember seeing a lot of trailers for it when it came out, but then apparently no one remembers it exists. Yeah. Uh, Though I do love all of these set pieces that place us in this 1940s, 1920s, I'm not sure the exact decade here, uh, but L.A., where, like, L.A. has a thriving public transit system. Uh, which is a point of jokes in this because it very much doesn't nowadays. I'm going to put us in the 1930s because we're not super flappers. There doesn't seem to be prohibition going on. Yeah. We're not in the middle of the Depression, so I'd go later 30s, but the war hasn't started yet. That's a good point. Yeah, 30s makes sense because flapper, at least... (laughs) Uh, I don't think she was meant to be, but, like, immediately my mind went to Betty Boop, which she has the look of a flapper, but only because she's in black and white. Uh, but, like, she she is working as a waitress, and Ellie, Eddie Valiant talks to her as a person he knew ages ago and hasn't seen in a long time. And she looks like a flapper because she's based on several nightclub singers. That's what her illustration's based on. But I that would be my thing because it, we're in between major events, and so, but we're still in that, like, hard-boiled, nightclub-y, so I'd go 1930s. I can buy that. I'll look it up, and it'll be like, it was 1978, and I'll be like, that's <laughs> Well. Google, you're lying to me. Well, let's talk about characters in this film, starting with Bob Hoskins as uh, Eddie Valiant in this. I think he does a pretty good job as a hard-boiled detective. I like 
I like Bob Hoskins. And there's a part at the end of the film that I don't think he does great at. Uh, but for the most part, where he's playing this Humphrey Bogart-esque, hard-boiled, private-eye detective, he's wonderful. Just the fact that, you know, 80% of the time he's on screen, he's acting against nothing. Because all the animation, obviously, is added in later. So yeah. Oh, I'm so far off. 1947. Wow. After the war. After the war. All right. Did they bring up the war? I can't remember. I don't pay attention I that part. I think maybe a person at the bar might have fought in the war. Anyway, but then there's two wars. Um, the fact that Bob Hoskins wasn't in another like buddy cop detective thing where he plays the older cop, like cop who's like, I don't want this new partner. I'm set in my ways and I know how to get stuff done. And I just, and I don't want this newfangled man in his newfangled ways. He should have just done that several more times. Would have been great. Oh, you give the man a raincoat and a fedora and buy him in anything. It like he should wear that day to day. That is a perfect look for Bob Hoskins. I constantly forget he's British. Is he? Yeah. I don't know if I ever knew that. Does he use his real accent in Hook? He uses does, does he have he? a British accent in Hook as me? Um he does, but I think it's not his. I mean, I mean not it's his like real a pirate accent. Up as a it's pirate. a pirate accent, but I'm like, right, I'm right. trying to think of movies I would have seen him in. He that... might be British. I'm pretty sure he's not a pirate. But I'm like, I'm trying to think of movies I saw him in where he actually got to use his British accent. Oh, uh, Super Mario Bros. <laughs> oh, yes, that was a very good <laughs> British accent. Uh, but where I think he falls down is this is a very complex character to play because. He is bringing, like, so much of his past into this role in that this character we see in this beautiful montage. Like, the cinematography in this is great. It's very show-not-tell, and it communicates everything super well. But Eddie Valiant was... And Eddie Valiant and his brother were a son of a clown, and then clowns in the circus, and then police officers, and then private eyes. And where I think Bob Hoskins falls down is in the clowning that he needs to do at the end. And for it being the, the denouement, the big event, and him clowning around literally to save his life, I don't really Bob, I don't buy Bob Hoskins <laughs> as a funny clown. I buy him as a hardboiled detective. But I think that was kind of the point is that he doesn't. His, he's rusty. Ed, Eddie doesn't know how to be funny, so he's trying to figure it he, out as he goes. He hasn't been funny since his brother died. He doesn't remember how. He's rusty. Sure, but he needs to be funny enough to kill the weasels. The weasels laugh at everything. I don't buy that he's funny enough to kill these weasels. The weasels That's would all. laugh at a can of soup. The weasels are very dumb. <laughs> no uh, can we talk about how this movie um, inspired a bunch of women from the 80s and 90s to become redheads as adults <laughs> oh you want to talk about jessica rabbit um i definitely dyed my hair a shade of red once that was specifically just because i wanted it to be jessica rabbit shaped. oh yeah like the thing i noticed as an adult is like she is a caricature of sexuality. Like, her proportions are impossible in this film. Um, like, yes. Betty, Betty Boop is definitely disproportionate in how a human body works. But, like, at least they give her some hips. 
she kind of looks like she could support herself. Whereas Jessica Rabbit, her waist is so small, she would crack in half in an instant. Now I have to compare Betty Boop body and Jessica Rabbit's body. The problem There's just with not Betty even Boop any room is... to have any organs in there. Oh no! It all of her organs went to her breast, Mark. <laughs> with Betty Boop is that's how that works. She would break her her neck. Betty Boop would break her neck. Yes, yes, she is definitely has the olive oil neck. Well, she has she has a very short, small neck, and she has a head that's got to weigh about forty pounds. The other thing is like Jessica Rabbit's dress. There's literally nothing holding that up, except for magic of cartoons. Oh, but I do love the effect they use on the dress, that, like, shimmery, yes. watery, glitter Oh, thing. that sparkly cartoon is fantastic. Carl, you've never used boob tape to hold a dress up? Well, I don't have the biggest <laughs> boobs, Mark, so... Oh, yeah. I've um, never needed it. The dress is possible. You would need a lot of fashion tape and or basically what is, like, glue. <laughs> You just glue it to yourself. I mean, she could just staple the dress to her skin. That would work as well. No, no, you just do glue. Okay, sure. But yeah, so I think Jessica Rabbit in this film is supposed to be like that classic night... uh, Night string? Uh, What is I Nightclub singer. There's the word. Club is the word I forgot. You're doing well with that. I know. I am a mess. Anywho, classic nightclub singer, aesthetic, sparkly dress, beautiful voice. Uh, Everyone in the crowd is there to see her and to lust after her and her aesthetic. Uh, And like I said, she's a character, a caricature of sexuality. She's got curves in all the right places. Uh, So I could definitely see her being both an icon to young men as to what they want in a woman and also an icon to young women as to oh that's what i want to be when i grow up i want to look like that i wanted to be a sexy redhead um so far all i got is the redhead part sure but (laughs) you still got time you got time you just gotta get rid of all the organs as, as i say sitting here in my messy bun and a tank top that i don't know where i found uh, but you also got the voice. Don't forget about that. Uh, I don't think I've got a nightclub singer voice. No, you gotta smoke more. But you got time. I'm just drawn that way. Uh-huh. I can't do. I can't do the voice. I'm just drawn that way. That's not the voice I. <laughs> That's just a real bad Batman voice. <laughs> Alfred, where's my dress? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Why is it in my brain now? Because <laughs> you made it so. Yeah, Jessica Rabbit as a character. I don't think she has a whole lot to do in this film. I mean, granted, the mystery's not about her. Except it turns out she's a really devoted wife. And oh, she's 100%. actually the one who is, like, super in love with Roger Rabbit, which I always think is, like, the funny twist. That a woman this beautiful wants a rabbit because he makes her laugh. Isn't that how it works? Uh Uh-huh. That's how I got my girlfriend. She laughed at you? Yeah. She laughed at you because you looked like a rabbit. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the whole... I mean, that's basically what the Toon world is all revolves around, is making people laugh, so it makes sense for them. 
I guess it's strange to see, like, a human cartoon in this world. I mean, we've mentioned Betty Boop and Jessica Rabbit. They seem to be, like, the two. Baby Herman is a baby. Yeah, I guess there is and that his weird nanny. monster woman uh, in Toontown who kind of dresses like Jessica Rabbit. You're right. All right. And Baby Herman's nanny. Well, she... May not be real in that she may have a cow and chicken body because we do she not see her She may just be legs. <laughs> she may just be cartoon legs. The other character, I'm sure we all want to talk about, especially Sarah and her nightmares, uh... is Judge Doom, played by Christopher uh, Lloyd in this film. Christopher Lloyd played a lot of things. That... Has Christopher Lloyd ever played a normal human being ever? No, not once I'm trying to think of maybe, maybe, maybe Professor Plum. No, was, was he, he was not a normal in Taxi? Oh, uh, he super wasn't normal in Taxi. Mark, have you seen Taxi? <laughs> no, <laughs> he was just a human being, though. He was a human being, but like his character was that he was kind of out of it and like either shell shocked or so drugged up that he could never focus on anything. So, while we're talking about Judge Doom. I was. Sarah is a pervert, not a normal human being. (sighs) Not in Clue. Fine. Go ahead, Mark. Oh well, I've been really quiet here because I've been searching now because I got curious about how they got all the rights to everything, and I still haven't figured that out. But this thing has at one point Jessica Rabbit was the villain, and Judge Doom was the killer of Bambi's mother. (laughs) Oh. Damn! I really need to read the novel. It's on my to-read list. I gotta read this. I didn't know it was based on a book. Oh, that I knew. I guess I was wrong earlier. The movie was very popular, but I just don't remember why he didn't become as big of a deal as they wanted him to. They had a lot of stuff going on that, you know, late 80s, early 90s, so maybe they just ran out of money or something. (laughs) Maybe. But you gotta figure, like, those big cartoon stars, your 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 Looney Tunes, uh, your I guess yeah, I guess Mickey Mouse did have one. Um, I am not as familiar with Mickey Mouse cartoons because he was big and doing uh, Disney was doing other things besides cartoons. But like they are they are very old, and I think introducing a new cartoon star in the style of like a Tom and Jerry or Looney Tunes. I think that's a kind of a hard sell, and it wouldn't be as popular as the ones that had already existed for years at that point. Uh, it'd be like trying to come up with a brand new superhero now uh, with the Marvel films out, whereas like the Marvel superheroes are based on comic books that have been going for decades, and trying to come up with a brand new superhero to compete, it's there's no chance. Uh, turns out I was wrong, and I was much younger than I thought when Toontown opened. It opened (laughs) in 1993. Yeah. So I was four. I still remember going to it, because I remember it was, when it first opened, it was a great place to get um, character signatures for suit characters. Uh, A lot of times Mickey and Minnie would have special times, they'd be at their house, and like, because like, Mickey and Minnie had their own house you could tour i think like goofy and pluto and all of them and like chip and dale would be over by their roller coaster a lot of times and stuff like that in the early days and i don't know how it went in california in florida there was a whole separate land added to the park for mickey mouse's birthday oh my gosh which would have been 
this same year that this movie was coming out because I think it was his 60th. And anyway, so so they didn't have Toontown yet in the park, so they added this whole land and it was called Birthday Land. <laughs> Mickey's Birthday Land. And eventually it was still so popular that they had to change it. But the idea was that this was where all of the cartoons lived, but that was before the movie came out. So once this movie came out and established that Toontown was a place, they changed the name in the park to Toontown, so everything made sense that that's where all the cartoons live. Mark's memory is pretty good. Mickey's Toontown Fair at Magic Kingdom initially opened as Mickey's Birthday Land, June 1988. Wow. That's when I was born. <laughs> and then it was briefly Mickey's Toyland, and now it's something completely different. Well, that's your podcast within a podcast of <laughs> Disney history. <laughs> Getting back to, I keep wanting to say Judge Droom, which yeah, is Yeah, you thing. said that it's, in your synopsis, I, and I wasn't... I was speeding I know, I wasn't going to stop you because you were on a roll. I did. But Judge Doom, I think he gave us all nightmares while we were kids thing that I find creepy as an adult, even like, uh, is not even when he pops out his eyeballs and has weird <laughs> red eyes. To me, it's the, it's the false teeth he wears. The perfect, oh. pristine, white teeth that are like, they're cut, and they don't even look like teeth. They're big and they're, um, they're rectangular in a like way that chiclets. teeth don't look like. Yes, he looks like he's just got a mouth of chiclets. I I think his the 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 voice was what messed with me the most. When, oh really? The squeaky voice at yeah. the end. You know what though? You know what? As an adult, what you see is he's he's a businessman thinking of ways to make money, and you know, interstates became a thing, and it, he it could be a very real businessman opportunity. Like I mean, yes, he's not like necessarily being evil, other than the killing, except for the killing for part. no reason. Yeah, except but, for the killing, <laughs> everything he does is legal. <laughs> He just really I, I, doesn't like shoes, okay? So Don't bring up the shoe! We have to bring up <laughs> the shoe. Don't bring up the shoe! We have to. Because it introduces the dip, and the point I wanted to bring up about the shoe, in this, in this world, tunes are sentient beings. This shoe is alive, and probably has a personality, and is a person. And it makes these, like, little animal noises. Like, it's like a squeaky toy, and I just... To demonstrate how dangerous his invention is, he kills a person in front of cops and nobody does anything. And it's not like like an adult, like the noises it's making, it's like he put a baby into the dip. Also, the shoe, like he's a judge and he also is plays jury and executioner in this scene, but the shoe didn't do anything wrong. Do you think cartoon shoes are like real shoes and like they have a pair and there's some other yes. shoe, like they're twins and it's like my twin got turned into goo and now I'm a lonely cartoon shoe with no <laughs> other shoe? Yeah, I was wondering when when the, he takes that shoe, where where was the other one? Like Sarah, I, I hate to tell you this, but the where the shoe comes from is they're moving a box, the box opens up, and every shoe in that box oh, right, has a pair. They have all the shoes! There's the more yeah. shoes! You're right! Because I try to, like, completely erase that. Every time I watch it, I try to, like, just not pay attention to that scene, because it... 
So wait, now <laughs> is a pair of shoes there then like a romantic pairing or who is his partner? No, I think they're like litter mates, like puppies. Okay. Or twins. Yeah, it's like when you get like go to the fair and there's like the two baby goats. I think the shoe, because it makes noises, but it doesn't talk. I think it's more like an animal of the cartoon world. Okay. That's slightly better. No, it's not! (laughs) It's slightly better because... Sarah would rather have him killing off humans than pets. The alternative is that the judge... Killed a baby shoe? No, no. In front of a private eye, in front of a room full of cops, just committed murder and nobody did anything. I understand if he had picked up, it's basically, he picked up a baby, killed in front of everyone, no consequences, versus he picks up a puppy, kills it in front of anyone, no consequences. But I mean, that kind of goes with the whole thing that cartoons are treated as second-class citizens, and there's all sorts of shades of racism and all sorts of stuff to go with the cartoons. But Maybe. also, the whole thing is, it's even worse, because you're thinking he's doing it as a human, but no, he is a cartoon! He's a traitor! He's a traitor cartoon who is selling out his people for, like, an IHOP on the highway! Uh-huh. 100%. I don't know why I went with IHOP. <laughs> Yes, they're on highways and lunch. They got the giant flags. Oh, I just the shoe. I'm not okay. I know. And it is very traumatic. And that's one of the many reasons this film is not for children. Because you have to watch a something with eyeballs and that can squeak in pain dissolve and die in front of your face. Like, even if you think it's an animal, we're talking, like, dog-level, pig-level animal. It's not a jellyfish. This thing has a brain and the ability to feel pain. Right. He's putting a puppy into acid, <laughs> which is horrible. Now, what do you, what did he say the dip judge. was made out of? Do you remember the... I have it here. It's turpentine. I remember turpentine. Benzene and acetone. Yes. So... It's, it's paint remover. So... Yeah, things to dissolve paint and colors and... Yeah, so... But when he pulls his hand back out of the dip, there's nothing there. Wouldn't it have just removed the ink from it and it would just be a black and white line drawing now? Now, what do you think the lines in that black and white line drawing are made of? Not paint. (laughs) Uh, Would they be made of ink? Maybe. It could also be pencil sketches. Are we going to go into the whole physiology of cartoons? All right, so Mark, instead of <laughs> dissolving uh, this puppy, you, just want a you would rather see the, the puppy to come out as a skeleton. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, is this the one episode where I'm not the messed up one? It's Mark. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong Possibly. with skeletons? I don't know. Now, well, so here's later on in the movie, Benny drives through a bunch of dip and yes, it, it his hurts his start... tires, but nothing yeah. else. That's because he goes really fast. Yes, he's driving through the dip. And mm-hmm. so like, it's basically like a spike strip. It takes out the tires and not the rest of the if car. If he were like to idle and sit there, he'd start like sinking, slowly melting. But the shoe went so fast because he dipped it and held it in there. But he was driving through fast, so it was just taking off the top layer. So my point of Judge Doom is he is an elected official, a judge for Toontown. Why is he investigating the crime? Yeah, that's not what judges do. Is he is he elected, or did he just kind of give himself that position? So, I took 
scrupulous notes of this. He was elected to Toon Town. So the history of Judge Doom goes like this. He is the red-eyed, squeaky-voiced guy who robbed a bank. The Valiant brothers investigated the crime. In chasing down the bank robber, Theodore Valiant got a piano on his head and Eddie Valiant broke his arm. Using that money, because he disappeared afterwards, he bought the election and became the judge, uh, Judge Doom. He made so, up a fake I mean, identity. I guess he did get voted in, kind of, but he bought the election, so still he kind of... And then using his money, he founded Cloverleaf, which has bought up the transit system and is going to buy Toontown uh, once the, if the will isn't produced for uh, Acme. But yeah, that's not what judges do. Judges no, don't investigate things. They, he should not be at the crime scene. It's like when like they make the, is this... Phoenix Wright logic. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Because the judges 100%. still don't do that in Phoenix Wright, but they make right, the lawyers the do lawyers. investigations, which is also not a lawyer's job. And, like, not only is he at the crime scene, he's hunting down the main suspect for most of the film. And, like, he shows up at the bar where uh, Roger Rabbit might be hanging out. And then he's... He, he stopped when Eddie is looking for clues. He's running around making sure people don't find clues at the crime scene. Tampering with evidence. Is that tampering, though? Obstruction, maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. It's just a very weird character. To describe him as a judge and not a police officer. Not like... He's the, um, he has jurisdiction in Toontown, and so he's involved in the investigation. Like, why does he need to be a judge? Is it just so that he can also execute people? But judges don't execute people either. Yes, but judge, jury, and executioner is a Maybe he's a judge like Judge Dredd is a judge. Well, that may be a game later. But yes, I think you're right. (laughs) Why would you... Why would you? You brought anyway. it up. <laughs> yes, but why would that? I'm going to eat my caramel. You do it. Oh, now her mouth is going to stick shut and you won't be able to hear her for the rest of the episode. Nom, 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 nom. Uh, and candy right. apple. So, apple. here's another question. Yeah. Is smile, darn you smile, a bop? Yes. Yes. Is, is paint thinner... I mean, it wouldn't be as lethal to humans, but wouldn't it be acidic and still hurt you? I mean, I mean, yeah. because there's yes. at the one point when Eddie is just walking through pools of it <laughs> in that well, warehouse. Sure, I don't think it would like immediately dissolve your shoes, and I like suppose. it gets—it's not like he's bathing in it. He's walking through a puddle, and then like it all gets wiped away. The other thing I want to bring up in this world of cartoons. <sighs> Sorry. I'm better now. All right. I'm okay now. <sighs> Carl wants to bring something else up again. Yeah. I'm Everything sorry. I'm sorry I have notes of the movie that we can talk about. Everything is traumatic. <laughs> so, early in the film, we see Eddie at the studio, and as he's walking around, uh, I think the Maroon makes a comment that, like, he's borrowed the Fantasia characters. And uh, as he's leaving the studio, we see, like, the brooms from Fantasia in the background. And we see a hippo sit down on a bench, which throws a live-action man way up into the air. 
classic cartoon stunt. But that man is not a cartoon. Mm-hmm. That man probably died. <laughs> that hippo is a murderer. So, like, I think this this world is so incredibly dangerous for human beings. No, no. Manslaughter. Well, it wasn't there was on no purpose. In- there was no intent. I guess. She committed manslaughter accidentally. And I say she because she was in a tutu. I'm not going to gender this hippo. I watched an entire video about <laughs> about that the Fantasia scene and whether or not we can determine the gender of the animals in Fantasia. And probably not because all of Fantasia is a ballet and therefore the animals in Fantasia are, are animals playing characters. And it all has to do ah. with the ostriches. Because the ostriches are painted as male ostriches, but they're dressed as female ballerinas. Therefore, it's not that it's some sort of thing, but it's that they're male acting ostriches, actors, playing female characters within the ballet. Do people put too much thought into Disney stuff? Yes. Oh, 100%. Sarah, yes. (laughs) I was watching this on TikTok. (laughs) So I guess my point is here. Judge Doom... Seems to be, like, the first criminal tune in history. Because, like, if a tune wanted to go on a killing spree, there's no way a human could stop them until, like, Judge Doom came up with the dip. Because tunes are immortal. They live in a world where they can accidentally kill people all the time because humans can't survive their tune antics. Like... This is an incredibly dangerous world for humans to be in. And one bad tune could just take over the world. But then there's all the weasels. Yeah. How do they... I mean, they're working for Doom and they're loyal. But, like, is there anything to stop them? They're very, very dumb. I guess. Yeah, their one weakness is they laugh, and if they laugh, they can die. Well, that's what I was thinking... There are plenty of cartoon characters that are bad characters in their cartoons, but yeah, if they go out into the real world, they may just be crazy, but if they're used to the cartoon world, they can do crazy stuff and not end up hurting anyone, so then they go to the human world, what do they do? So, I don't know, You, I guess you probably have a point that he might be the first one that's truly evil and going around trying although he doesn't really i guess he does kill valiant hmm did he kill any other humans also the one guy um acme yes oh maroon he does kill maroon as well he shoots him in the back with a studio yeah yeah rk maroon maroon cartoons hmm yeah so i guess my question is in this world why hasn't the police force, or let's say the army, found a deterrent against tunes, given how dangerous they can be, even accidentally, to human life. Well, trying to remember what the exact thing is. Is this like, oh shoot, there's some other movie where they go into the cartoon world, but they can't actually. If you get say hurt cool there. world. I I have no idea what that is. It's like it's similar to the Matrix because as long as you know that it's not real, you can't get hurt or something, you know. Hmm. But here, I feel like there's if he's in the cartoon world, he can still get hurt. I'm kind of terrified you're talking about Cool World with Brad Pitt. I have <laughs> never heard of Mark or seen isn't this, because so he doesn't know what so. that is. Okay. Do you know what that is? 
I'm vaguely aware of it. I think I tried to watch it once and gave up on it. It's, oh, it's about a cartoonist and he goes into the cartoon world and then Kim Basinger comes out of the cartoon world and there's cartoon sex in it and it's not good. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it, it's kind of like this, but actually adult. Like, oh. like there's cartoon world and cartoonists and in and out and things you can do in the cartoon world and stuff you can't do in the cartoon world but like adult like it's rated r i think sarah i don't need to hear about cartoon in and out okay <laughs> but brad pitt's in it <laughs> oh i i can't remember what it but i i remember because they specifically talk about it's like one of the big points of the movie oh well if you're in the tune world you can't actually get hurt because you become a tune but I don't, uh, I don't remember what it. It obviously wasn't this one because he doesn't become a cartoon when he goes there. The so. Bullwinkle movie <laughs> with oh, Brendan Fraser. Mark, are you thinking of Space Jam? I don't think so because I haven't seen that in forever. Okay. Does the, is it possible for them to not get hurt when they go to the Toon World? <laughs> yes. I don't know. What's his name? Uh, Wayne Knight gets flattened and then puff back up and he's fine. That might be it then because they talk about how they have their their own rules in Cartoon World and that's how Jordan realizes he can jump from the other end of the court or whatever. Yeah, and like stretch out his arm yeah, to 30 that, feet that, to that dunk the ball. Was it then. I believe I can fly. <laughs> Thanks, R. Kelly. Yeah. Anyway, so, <laughs> back to this movie. Just a few more talking points I have here. I love the effects of this film because a lot of films will use CGI in, in tandem with live action performances to various effects. A lot of times they replace the background or a character in the film might be CGI. But this film has so many characters as computer generated or drawn on i don't know how they did this uh but performing with live action and the way that they are able to have like the props interact with these cartoon characters is really interesting and really well done like at one point roger puts his hand on a chair and the chair is covered in dust and then as he takes it off there's a handprint of where his hand would have been in real life. And like when the weasels come in to interrogate uh, Eddie Valiant, the weasels are holding real guns and like the guns are moving around, I assume on strings, but they're moving in the way that the weasels would be moving the guns actually in the seed. If it was really happening. I have secret knowledge for you. Secret <laughs> knowledge. Turns out the cartoons were just real. Oh, I knew what a secret. Oh, they didn't have to do any special effects or anything. The cartoons were just real. They murdered that shit. Does this mean I get to meet Bart Simpson? I've always wanted to ever since I was a kid. That's a different company. Oh, but he's a cartoon though. He must be real. No, no. Oh, those those cartoons go to the bad side of town. Even worse than Toontown. <laughs> Springfield's on the bad part of town. No one knows where it is. <laughs> it's in several states all at once. I well that was something though that talking about the effects I I don't know how much you looked into it cuz I not have, at all I don't know if where I, I remember I don't know if it was in a book or something where it was all about like the special effects stuff um, a lot of books like at, they have Benny who is an animated car but Bob is driving around in it and it they had a special rig built up 
for him to sit in that actually had a seat that would move back and forth so like when he would go around corners it could exaggerate him like sliding across to the other side of the car and stuff but i i wanted to have benny as a car when i was younger because he has though that um extension deal so like he's about to get in a crash and his wheels shoot out underneath him and he just drives over the top and i was like yeah that's a classic speed racer maneuver (laughs) i always thought it'd be cool to have a car that could drive itself and do special gadgets so that i don't get in crashes (laughs) yeah not only that like because he goes up on the stilts, and then they're driving towards a bridge, and he's able to bring the stilts back in, and then continue driving on the bridge. Without without dropping down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I would love to have that, in that, like, oh, did I miss my off-ramp? Not a problem. <laughs> I'll just cause a traffic accident. I mean, you pretty could great. just do that. Cause a well, traffic accident. <laughs> correct. But I can't drive onto the bridge that the on-ramp would have taken me on, is the point. So you're talking about... Sorry, I'm just jumping back again, cause, just because. Yeah, yeah, So you mentioned... I mean, you mentioned the weasels carrying guns. There's also the one where Bob is handcuffed to Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. So that has to actually be attached to something. But... And you mentioned the handprint. If you watch, like, the the dueling piano scene where you can actually see reflections of Daffy and Donald's hands from the piano <laughs> because it's so shiny that it's reflecting them, uh, even though the piano is a real object there in the scene. So it's just, they did a lot of a lot of work to make all the effects and stuff look really real. Yeah, and like it's so well done. I I gotta give this film credit in that like so often when you're inserting a fake character into a real movie, you do a lot of effects, but like something is lost in that. And they did so much work to make a tune's presence in the real world seem real, and they accomplished it phenomenally. There there are times where you can tell that it that doesn't quite line up but it still for it was done very like it, for most of the movie you don't even really think about it because like you said there are things that just happen or like if one of the cartoon characters gets thrown across the room and papers fly up off a desk or something like little things like that that make it look real that maybe you don't even think about when you're watching it but later on you could be like oh yeah those were real objects that got moved by a cartoon. Alright, just a couple more things I have here. This film uses a classic movie conceit that I don't know is real at any point. Like, so the thing is, Acme died without a will, quote-unquote, and they need to find the will by midnight, or Toontown will go to the nearest bidder, or the highest bidder, rather. Is that real? If you just find a will by a certain time, does that count? Like, surely you have to file it in a courtroom or, like, file it with the the city. Um, I mean... Time to call Kate again. Probably, but I assume finding new evidence would put a, put a stay on the auction until they okay. could um, determine whether or not the will is legitimate. But I say that as a person who watched a lot of crime shows, not as a person with a law degree. I mean, just the conceit that, like... 
when Judge Doom has the Jessica Rabbit and Eddie tied up, hanging from the ceiling, he's like, well, unless that will shows up in the next 15 minutes, I own Toontown. Like, the the deadline of midnight is absurd to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> also, normally you get all of that estate stuff, I think, cleared up before you auction off the components of it. You uh -huh. don't do that in between. <laughs> And that takes quite a while to wrap up an estate. I don't know how long it took in 1947, but... Instantly. They just immediately went to auction. Like, I don't think... Gotta it would make be that like, highway money. Like, a week later and suddenly we're going to auction with, with stuff they owned. I think it would take longer than that. But this is... But I don't know what the... Car I don't know what cartoon laws are. Well, I think Judge Doom is making them up. Well, yes. But also... They've, they have forced the cartoons into their own shantytown. So I don't know if, if the other police. Now, is it a shantytown? Because like, it's, to me, it seemed more like, oh, that's where tunes come from. That's the tunes natural habitat. That's what I thought it was. It's very weird. Cause it seems like they're forced, like, it seems like it's both. Like, that is where they came from, but they're also forced to kind of stay there and not mingle with other people as much now. Because some people hate tunes. Well, it's just, well, Eddie has a good reason. A tune killed his, his brother and, and he doesn't know what, doesn't know what tune that is. As much as people were arguing with him, oh no, a tone couldn't do that. Tunes are lovely people who only bring happiness. <laughs> no, turns out he was right the whole time. Because Roger kept being like, it couldn't have been a tune. No, it turns out been a tune. it turns out it was a tune. Yeah, some tunes are mean. Tunes don't kill Especially people. Especially if they're played by Christopher Lloyd. So, speaking of Eddie, I don't think he's a very good detective. Because his two major clues are that Acme had a will when he took photos of him. And that Maroon is connected to the thing. He pieces together by two pieces of public information. He finds the will in the newspaper and he finds the maroon connection by going to the theater and seeing a newsreel. Like, information is just coming to him. He's not seeking it out or detecting it. I don't think he's very good at his job, is what I'm saying. Sorry, I'm looking at a thing that says they I mean, built a he robot. Still has to, he still has to understand the clues when they come to him and figure out what they mean. I suppose, and maybe this is more in the style of um, the hard-boiled private eye detective, your uh, Maltese Falcon type of detective. I'm more used to the Sherlock type of detective, where like they they see little things and they infer knowledge from that, and that leads them to the culprit. Whereas this seems to be, I get a little piece of knowledge, which leads me to a person, and then I hit the person until they tell me what I want to know. That's how it works. Congratulations! <laughs> that is that is being a 1930s, 1940s detective. Alright, maybe this is not my type of detective. I'm sorry they don't wear, like, a hunter cap and smoke a pipe. It's called a deerstalker. Whatever. They wear fedoras coat. and smoke a cigar and... And, like, dames who are in trouble because their husband got murdered by the mob. Oh, no. 
that was that was not a good mafia accent. Whatever you did, you just sounded like a small baby. What was I yours had, good? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what accent I was doing there. You come to me on the day of my daughter's uh-huh. murder, uh, wedding murder. <laughs> the day of my daughter's murder. <laughs> to be fair, I spent most of that scene at the beginning of The Godfather just watching the cat. So yeah, sure. That cat was a stray. It was, and you can yeah. totally tell because this chat spends that whole scene attempting to bite the heck out of Marlon Brando's hand. <laughs> He's just like, I am going to eat this famous actor. All right. We're pretty close to the end here. I guess we, we do have to talk about, like, do we have to talk about the end of the film? Because, like, as much as I love this film, the it does seem kind of... saved and then they sing a song. Yeah, it doesn't but they sing have the song, much of an the, ending. They even sing the song before that. As soon they as did. he enters Toontown, they're like singing this songs. This is a reoccurring song. I was going to talk about the car chase scene. Ooh. I don't have much to say other than that there was a car chase scene. But the tunnel looked very familiar. And when I looked it up, I realized why. And that may or may not come up later. But <laughs> Is it the tunnel to Toontown? Yes. Is it the tunnel of love? Is it? Mm, no. Okay. What tunnel is it? It is the tunnel at Griffith Park. That's where it was filmed, anyway. Okay. Um, and you've been to Griffith Park? No. <laughs> then but why I, did it look familiar? Uh, because it may or may not have been in another movie. <laughs> I see. So this will come up later. You just... You're just seeding us little clues for your little pitch games. Little clues. I thought maybe you would know already, but I, 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 I think, might. I think actually a lot of, of films film. get seen. Films get seened. Uh, I think oh, a lot boy. of scenes my, get my filmed there because I've seen. I think in other movies as well, but there are at least two for sure. But besides that, there's also the car that Eddie Valiant drives. I have seen in real life. Ooh. I used to I used to actually stand next to it every day. <laughs> was it Disney World? It was the actual what well, well one of the actual cars from the movie was used as a prop piece at Disney World place. <laughs> so Disney World place. Well, there's a stroller rental that is designed to look like a gas station from the 1930s, and they had this old car there, and turns out it's the one that Eddie drives in this movie. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, the the final note I have is, um, I did want to talk about, like, the Acme products, because I have thought so much in my life about how useful a portable hole would be, and, like, Eddie uses it to to break out of a situation of this, but like <laughs> just just being able to like throw a hole onto a wall and then stick your head through and pull something out, and then take the hole off the wall. Oh boy, I would definitely use it for crime. I'm not gonna lie, but I'd be <sighs> such a good burglar. Burgal burglar burglar. Why did you say that like the hamburglar? <laughs> the, the hamburglar. <laughs> I'd be such a good burglar. Maybe that's what he would be burgling. Probably. Mmm, hamburgers. Well, McDonald's hamburgers. Do we need McDonald's know hamburgers? Hamburglar is anymore. No, because nope. I think they shifted out all of that marketing. That's sad. Yeah, it's a real shame. You're a real shame. Oh wow! Shots <laughs> fired. Huh. 
Normally, we end with the climax of the film. I don't know if we have to. I mean, well, you know, Judge Doom gets exposed as being the tune that killed Eddie's brother, and they find out because he gets run over by a steamroller thing and flattens him out, and then he puffs back up like a cartoon. Which is terrifying. And they're all like, what? He's a cartoon all along? And then then he his eyes what turn kind red, of cartoon yellow, do you think he is his his eyes are red, his hand is yellow and can form like an anvil or a long sword or a chainsaw Sharknado. so i'm I'm curious what kind of tune do you think Judge Doom is under all of that a rat you mean mm. like his actual form is is he not just like a human shaped cartoon? Maybe I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's a literal wolf in human's clothing. Maybe he is the wolf from the Three Little Sheep. Except I think he is already seen in this movie somewhere. I think so, so too. Smile, darn ya, smile. <laughs> you know Sarah's just gonna the sing this song for the rest of the episode. Smile, darn ya, yeah. smile. So I guess my final note, we I don't feel like going through the climax of the film because it doesn't matter. Eddie solves the crime. Judge Doom dies by his own invention. They find the will, uh, which Roger had written a love note on it. Well, the point is, uh, you, you probably already said it in your synopsis. Disappearing, it's reappearing disappearing, ink. reappearing ink because Acme was into all these gag things. So that's how they discovered that the will was there because suddenly the ink reappeared. Yeah, so I guess to recap, Acme, knowing he was in trouble, went to Jessica, told, told her this was his will, but Jessica just saw a blank piece of paper. Uh, later, this was the night Eddie took pictures of Patty Cake. When Roger sees the pictures, he goes and runs to see Jessica. She's not in her dressing room. He finds a blank piece of paper, writes a love note on it, and carries it with him uh, throughout the film until we get to this end where the ink reappears and it was the will the whole time. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mystery solved. I like the final, final scene where... um with that song going on, Porky Pig does this classic, that's all folks, and then Tinkerbell comes out and does the classic uh, Disney uh, swipe to end a film. Swipe. 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 I don't know if that's a word. Anywho, I think that's all I had, so unless you guys have anything. They built a robot to throw dishes. Oh. I was looking up special yeah, effects things. Yeah, I think things. a lot of the special effects were like puppets slash robots that they drew over after. Because they were like, we... Are those the dishes Roger breaks on his head? Yes, because they're like, we could have made it easy and just made those cartoon dishes and just animated all that. But they're like, what would the point of that be? We just built a robot that could pick up and throw dishes. They also built a robot arm that held Baby Herman's cigar so that they could have a real cigar instead of an animated cigar. Which is very funny that they're like, we could make this easy on ourselves and just uh-huh. animate everything because they're cartoon characters, so they should be holding cartoon things. But no, we're going to build a robot that snatches plates. There's That's pictures wonderful. of this robot. It is funny. <laughs> we'll have to post them on the blog. Alrighty, let's go on to games. Our first game is the pitch game, a game in which we put 
we put together two or more properties in the form it's this meets this to describe this film in terms of other things. I'm going to start us off here describing who framed Roger Rabbit in terms of other properties. Alright, so, <clears throat> since this is a film where a judge performs the additional roles of jury and executioner, carrying out justice on the streets the moment he sees it, who becomes a suspect in a murder investigation. And, a film with both live-action and cartoon characters where a live-action person has to go into the cartoon world. Well, I'm guessing the first one is Judge Dredd. Correct. <laughs> and the second one is Space Jam? It is. <gasps> it's Judge Dredd meets Space Jam. Oh, right, I Mark, forgot to take ask, us away. I forgot to mention that, that we should have people see if they can find all the times that Jim Cummings' voice was in this movie. Oh, it's too many to count, I'm sure. <laughs> Alright, because... This is a movie starring Christopher Lloyd and directed by Robert Zemeckis that involves a car chase scene through the Griffith Park, Griffith Park Tunnel and music by Alan Silvestri. Uh, oh. And a Disney movie combining animation and live action where the stars travel to the an animated land to interact with its inhabitants. Hmm... So I'm pretty sure the first one is Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Back to the Future 2 in the hoverboard? Correct. I actually specifically wrote down the second one because I don't think the tunnel happened in the first one. Yeah, I think you're right. Because you're thinking about the hoverboard thing. Right, right. The car chase. Yeah. All right. Now the second one, I also want to say Space Jam, but those aren't Disney characters. So it being a Disney film, a human going into the Disney world. No, into an animated scene. Is not going is to it, the Disney World. Tron. <laughs> is it um, Page Master? No. Page Master isn't Disney. Oh, is man. not. I thought this Good would been. be easy for you guys because it's one of the first ones I thought of when I was combining live action and animation. Um, I wasn't completely paying attention. Is it that racist one they're trying to bury? <laughs> Song of the South? <laughs> no, because I did not right. think of that one. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that does use real life action and animation, mm -hmm. so... Ah, okay. is it Mary Poppins? Bed knobs and broomsticks. He's nodding his head, yes. He's got a mouth full of water. He'll be saying words now. So that was Back to the Future <laughs> 2 meets Bed knobs and Broomsticks. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. I forget you prefer films we've seen for this podcast. Did we well, have we seen have we watched Back to the Future? <laughs> no, no. Bedknobs and Broomsticks, as opposed to Mary Poppins. Because I was going through Robert Zemeckis movies of ones we should watch, and that is one, but there's also another one that I really think we should watch for this. Put it on the list. We is it Death list? Becomes Her? Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> I do like Death Becomes Her. Mm -hmm. That's when Bruce Willis was still known as like a comedic actor. It's when Bruce Willis still had hair. Yeah, wild. So, because this is a movie where a charming actor who I like outside of things gets dragged into a cartoon world against his will, uh -huh. meets a hard-boiled detective known for wearing a hat and a coat. <laughs> well, a hat and a coat? Who could that be? 
Um, well, actually, I have two options for the second one. Yeah, so, um... I think I think you referenced Cool World because you've been mentioning it. This not Cool world. world. It's not, and I've okay. not seen all of Cool World. I haven't even heard of it still. Uh, it's not a very good movie, and so it gets used a lot as a uh, movie review Punch movie. Line. Yeah, was well, the second one Sherlock Holmes? Hard boiled detective. All right, is it the Maltese Falcon? No. Is it... Dick Tracy. Thank you! <laughs> I, I was gonna say Darkwing Duck. Oh, close. I mean, he wears a hat. Dick Tracy! Right, so He's known we for have his silhouette! A, we have a, uh, a human being going into the cartoon world. Well, I guess he maybe doesn't go in the cartoon world. Maybe the cartoons come to him. But he's dragged into cartoon nonsense. I see. Space Jam. <laughs> Correct era. Wrong man. <sighs> Michael... Jordan is never the wrong man. And did I nearly say Michael Jackson? Yes, I did. <laughs> that is the wrong man. Think of a, a more charming man. More charming man. Think of... Carl, when were you in a movie? There oh. are at least two <laughs> other cartoon human hybrid movies from the same-ish era as Space Jam. Name them right yeah. now. Same era as Space Jam. I mentioned one hybrid. earlier. Cool World. <laughs> you mentioned no, that. Right? No, that was from the 80s. I'm talking right. mid-90s. Mid-90s children animated human hybrids. And stop mentioning Cool World. What? Human hybrids, huh? Yeah. Movie. All right. All right. Give us give us a hit. What is like... I would say it's splash. kind of a... Splash. It's kind of a sequel to Space Jam. Space Jam 2, New Legacy, starring LeBron James. No, but in the way that, like, Muppet movies are kind of within the same right, right. universe, yeah. this is, do you remember there was another WB no, animated really. human movie? Like, all I'm, all that's coming to my mind is, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Nope. But that, earlier? that took a while. Earlier than that. Um, Smurfs. Earlier? I'm thinking earlier cartoons. Smurfs was a later movie. No, no. When I say sequel to Space Jam. I know. What I are the cartoons you. in Space Jam? Okay, so it is It is the a Warner Brothers cartoons. Yes, it the is The Looney Tune cartoons. Yes. Okay. She said I Warner Brothers, but I don't know anything one. about them. So. Do none of you remember <laughs> Looney Tunes back in action? No! The one with Brendan Fraser and Jenna Elfman? Um, Why would I remember that? Because yeah. it was a movie that came out in like the 90s, early 2000s? Uh, I do vaguely remember it. Even Steve Martin, like the bad guy in that. It was 2003. It had... Yes, you, it did have Steve Martin. You just said it was mid-90s. Yeah! Well, this was like the last one. The other one I was talking about in that list was the Bullwinkle movie. Uh, okay. Bullwinkle was second, and then they did this one. And when I say it was a kind of sequel to Space Jam, this was their their next attempt at a Space Jam. Okay. I vaguely remember it. I also remember it not being very good, and so I probably just blocked it out. I, the way that I remember you that it happened, but I didn't watch it. I do not remember. I do not block out anything with... Brendan Fraser. He is having a renaissance right now, and is we he? love it for him. He is oh, cast in a so score. Good. He's in a Scorsese movie. Oh. It's great. It's lovely. We're very happy for him. I love Brendan Fraser. I want to see him in more things. He deserves the best. When it's is the next Mummy nice movie movie coming? 
Probably <laughs> eventually. Probably when they promise him they will destroy his back again. <laughs> All right. My next one. Since this is a movie where a private investigator is hired to follow someone's spouse to take incriminating photos, and that leads to a murder investigation, where the underlying motive turns out to be a lucrative real estate deal. The postman always rings twice. A film starring a human and a cartoon bunny where the human has to follow the rabbit down a long, dark tunnel into a world ruled by nonsense. Hmm. Well, the second one's Alice in Wonderland. Yes, it is. Are you sure? <laughs> the first one was something about real estate and following someone's yep. spouse. Private investigator um, getting involved in murder investigation. Underlying motive, lucrative real estate deal. Is it not the postman always rings twice? It's not. No. It is also, I will say, I think it's, yeah, it was, so it was made in the 80s. And it is definitely like a hard-boiled detective. And so it is definitely a throwback to the 1930s type of detective. Wasn't the post office postman always rings twice in the 80s? <laughs> Sorry, I, I will stop bringing up that movie. It's not that movie. Was it Cool I've World? I've told you once. It's not. <laughs> that is not the plot of Cool World! <laughs> How do you know? You haven't seen it. I watched uh. a lot of terrible reviews of it because I like to watch a lot of bad movie reviews. It makes me feel better about myself. Because at least I didn't create Food Fight. In which, again, Christopher Lloyd is a bad guy who's secretly the thing he's trying to destroy. <laughs> see. So the most famous line in this film is, forget it, Jake. It's blank. And the blank is the name of the film. It's Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> it's DiGiorno <laughs> Forget it Jake It's Apparently Sarah wants pizza Alright Well if you didn't get it from that You may not get it It's Chinatown Oh Chinatown is about water rights Yes It's about buying up Drought ridden land That isn't worth anything And then redirecting The LA River This is a real thing that more. happened And then a dam broke And they killed a lot of people I just don't picture him as a detective even if that's what he was <laughs> it turns out you can make interesting things about water rights in california because did you know that part of the state is a desert and the other half is on fire at the moment la is a that, desert that could just be any time of year in california yeah that's probably true back to fiction uh that was chinatown meets alice in wonderland mm. mark take it away I almost had Alice in Wonderland as one of mine, and then I didn't. Is it The Postman Always Rings Twice? I actually don't is know what it? the plot of The Postman Always Rings Twice is. Hey, but I also think that has Jack Nicholson in it. I don't know what that has to do with this movie, but okay. Oh, it just had to do with Chinatown. <laughs> okay, go back to it. All I'm right. Sorry. So, <clears throat> this is a crime noir film where a beautiful woman shows up at a detective's office to enlist his services, leading him down a rabbit hole of mystery. Every movie from the 1930s. And <laughs> you're going to like this. A Disney movie combining animation and live action where the stars travel to an animated land. <laughs> God. Is it Mary Poppins this time? It is, is it? Mary Poppins this time. Hey. Uh, it's the first one, the Maltese Falcon. Correct. Nice. I was going to guess Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid, which is a very terrible film. Um, also, if you look up The Postman Always Rings Twice, there are two versions. 
uh, Jack Nicholson was not in the Lana Turner version. <laughs> How many times are we going to talk about movies that none of us used in our games? <laughs> Maybe I should have. <laughs> Maybe. So that was The Maltese Falcon meets Mary Poppins. All right, my final one here. Since this is a movie where the main suspect is on the run for a murder they didn't commit, and the man chasing is always just one step behind him and doesn't care if they're innocent or not, just wants him caught. Meets. A film featuring live action and cartoon characters featuring a detective, car crashes, and over-sexualized female cartoons. Well, the, the first fugitive. one I'm either going to say, I was going to say Les Mis or The Fugitive. It is The Fugitive. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife! I, I don't, don't care! care. <laughs> it's my favorite part of that movie. Why? It's very quotable. I don't It's the part care. that everybody knows. It's true. Any guesses on the second one? Uh, Animaniacs. No. Oh, man. Sorry. I the just Animaniacs on... should be the answer to everything. I just focused on, on the sexualized women and I thought of Hello Nurse and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot the rest of the clues. <laughs> and just so live it. action and okay. cartoon characters. Bullwinkle. Uh, oh, Space featuring... Jam. Did you do nope. Space Jam already? Featuring a detective... A car crashes, an over-sexualized female cartoon. So, so it's Space the Jam. Main, <laughs> yeah. The main character is not a detective. Okay. The detective is already there. Really, the over-sexualized female cartoon might be a better hint. Uh, Sarah, you've mentioned this film more than once already. Is it Cool World? <laughs> it is Cool World! <laughs> you made me feel stupid for Cool World! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, he mean, I, he made up this third one while we were talking, just because. No, we... <laughs> I had to dig so hard into the plot of Cool World to find connections. It's messed up. The detective is a side character. The car crashes what gets him into Cool World, and the sexualized female character is Hollywood. Kim Basinger's. Uh, you know the, what? The that reminds me of another Pitt. thing. No, he's a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. He is not a detective. A is detective is already in Cool World when he gets there. Yeah, that's Brad Pitt. It's, um, what's his name that's the, Brad Pitt's the secondary male character. Really? Yeah. Anywho. Oh, I see. It's, what's he his name? He might face? be the main character, but I, I He's see the main character in Carl's um, mind. Gabriel Anywho, <laughs> this Gabriel was the, the Fugitive Meets Cool World. We finally use Cool World. <laughs> All right. Going on to our second game, which is alternate taglines, a word or phrase you would see in the movie posted for the film, which encapsulates the theme, though possibly misses the point. My first one here, telling our listeners what the theme is of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Mama's right, cartoons really do lead to violence. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> I have That's a, my favorite thing is when somebody says one of these and then there's just silence for like 10 seconds. <laughs> oh yeah, you two were just making faces at me. You know, and then in the, in when you're editing it, you can add in like a clock ticking or <laughs> or crickets. <laughs> anyway, Mark, take it away. Um, who framed Roger Rabbit? Was it you? Mine's kind <laughs> of to that extent. Okay. Which is who framed Roger Rabbit? Exactly who you think did. <laughs> yeah. That that one, Sarah, it's funny that yours meshes with Mark's, because yours also meshes with my next one, which is, who framed Roger Rabbit? I don't know, could it be the clearly evil guy? 
Yeah. What is the thing we say? Bad guy is bad guy or something? Clearly bad guy. Yes. <laughs> uh, is it me again? Yep, back to you. Oh, I, I remember I didn't like this one very much, but I'll say it anyway. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Smile, darn ya, smile. Smile, darn ya, darn ya smile. smile. <laughs> All right. But you My have to say it, like, one. menacingly now. <laughs> My final one here. I think this one could actually be on it. Maybe doesn't miss the point. But it's, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? A Case of Crime, Corruption, and Cartoons. Yeah. Although, I, it's better than some of the real ones, anyway. I don't know if you looked at any of those. I sure didn't. Um, but anyway, I'll say my last one. Uh, um, who framed Roger Rabbit? The mystery that invites you to draw conclusions. Oh. Alright, and our final game here is the TV Guide game and a description of the plot of the film that you might find in TV Guide or Netflix description, though technically correct, possibly misses the point. So, Mark, you're actually going to start us off here, telling our audience what the plot is of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. An enterprising entrepreneur vows to clean up the world when he invents a new way to recycle shoes. That shoe was not recycled. <laughs> Poor little shoe. Alright, my first one here. A privately wealthy citizen's plans for a new civic project are ruined due to an alcoholic, a performer down on his luck, and a woman with a penchant for bestiality. Mine's not good. <laughs> a man traumatized by his brother's death just wants to be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Alright, Mark, take it Oh, away. I have a callback, apparently. <clears throat> a human detective refuses to return to Toontown, but a new case draws him back in. I hate you! <laughs> Alright, my, my final one here. I wrote in the style of one of those terrible uh, detective novels. Oh, no. So, we'll see how it goes. So this is uh, the plot of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. A private eye with an even privater heart gets drawn into an animated mystery when a lovesick husband who can't take a hint and won't take a dip instead takes the fall for a falling vault that was anything but safe. I, I, I can't. No, nope, I'm good. <laughs> Alright. I just want to hear Sarah try to read it in that same voice and see what happens. Do you want me to read it in my mysterious voice? Sure, I'll send it to you real quick. I, no! <laughs> Oh, Meh. all right. Uh, all right. I have one left. Crashes up here. I guess. Yeah, yeah. A moody detective learns to have fun again when latest case finds him paired up with a very animated character. Wah, wah. Bah, bah, bah. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> so that will bring us to reviews. The first review, uh, of course, brief scale, of course, is our infamous potato scale, telling our audience what to us. Expect in terms of emotionals. Emotionals? Oh emotionals. man, I am dead today. <laughs> Telling artists what to expect in terms of emotions, in terms of our relationship to potatoes. It. Listen to another episode. I, I <laughs> describe it better there. 
Anywho. We've given up. <laughs> uh, somebody else could start telling our audience what Who Framed Roger Rabbit is in terms of potatoes while I look up the scale. Like always. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to give it a black potato for troubling issues. I think we've gone over why I feel that way enough. And then I'm going to give it a Five Guys Fries because I love this movie. I just really like this movie. I think it's really good. Now, Sarah is traumatized, but also it's the best movie. We have gone over how I didn't, I'm not a normal person and did not have a normal (laughs) childhood. Sarah loves being traumatized. I like (laughs) trauma. Sarah was exactly the reason I had to mention the shoe in one of the guide games, too. We also talked about how Hocus Pocus terrified me as a child, and I still love that movie, right? So I just like things that were not okay as a child to me there's a lot of things i feel that that way traumatized you it was the first movie that scared me so much i had to come home from a sleepover (laughs) i know what was it billy no it was way before then i don't even know where in the movie it was that i was Uh. so scared and i'm like i gotta go home. not billy i like billy billy's (laughs) great also things that did this to me were little shop horror there are several others where i'm just like i am intrigued by this but also very scared it it the movie Oh, sure. The original Stitch Together TVs, movies. Yes, yes, that one. Anyway, there we go. There's my potatoes. They're just black potatoes? uh, No, and Five Guys. guys, Oh, and Five Guys. I'm sorry. That's why we were making fun of her for being traumatized by her favorite movie. Uh, (laughs) I I guess I didn't go quite as far as Five Guys. Um... I, ha- I did say steak and shake fries, which I guess is our second place potatoes. But because, I mean, you've got the animated and it's kind of wacky characters, so I put ribbon potatoes for quirky and fun. But also potato casserole, because I remember as a kid I liked this because it had cartoons in it. But it definitely has adult issues in it that I probably wasn't paying attention to as a kid. I was just watching for funny cartoons. So, as an adult, you can appreciate that, but also, as an adult, you appreciate all of the hard work for the special effects in the movie. So, I had potato casserole, ribbon potatoes, steak and shake fries. I'm gonna be around there, for sure. So, the first one I want to put out is uh, vodka. I think this is just for adults. I I saw this film... As a child, and I think I saw it because it starred all my favorite cartoon characters. But this is so much like the adult version of your cartoon characters. I would not show this to a kid today. I have a question. Yeah. Would you show it to a kid like me? Like, childhood version of Sarah. Would you show it to oh, a childhood version of a Sarah? A kid who's already traumatized? Sure. This can't hurt. This isn't going to bring you any more trauma. Would you show it to a child whose role model is Wednesday Addams? (laughs) Uh, maybe not. And it's not just, like, the dark, murdery stuff. It's the the over-sexualization. This film is very sexual. Like, without showing anything, there's a lot of sexual undertone to this film. Kind of just what happens when you put Kathleen Turner's voice in something. Yeah. To me, that is... Adults, I would not show that to a child. I'm going to agree with Mark that I think this is not a Five Guys for me. I do love this film. I love the animation styles. Uh, I love Bob Hoskins as a hardboiled detective. 
I wish this film had more of an ending. Like, for all that it does, the ending is just kind of nothing. It kind of just just ends. There's no big moment. There's no real big reveal. The mystery is solved. We move on with our lives. And Eddie just, kind just of... wants to go home, take a nap. Right. And, like, had this been a bigger ending, a bigger punch, the final moment been better, it would have been a Five Guys for me. Instead, it's a, going to be a, a steak and shake for me. Now, I... So you mentioned it before, you didn't want to talk about the ending because you didn't think there was one, and I was a little confused anyway. I don't... Yeah, sure. I don't know. It's not like a big climactic thing, but he does save the day, and then Eddie learns how to laugh again and have fun because he starts giving jokes to Roger at the end of it. So at least he's turning around from his depression phase. It's a it's a cartoon ending because the whole thing is Toontown got saved, so it has to be a cartoon ending. And I think it's I think part of it is that the film treats. Eddie's clowning around to kill the weasels uh, as, like, a wonderful performance. As, like, it is top-notch clowning, and he's clowning to save his life. And to me, it's just that it, it didn't resonate. It didn't... It wasn't as good as a performance as he gave as the horrible I don't detective. feel like the movie is treating it as that. I feel like the weasels are, but the weasels are stupid. The weasels laugh at literally everything in this movie and almost get themselves killed about 10 times before this point. And you have a point there. Uh, but it, for me, but the weasels just, are stupid. Yes. I yes, want it are. to be better and it isn't. And maybe that's a problem for me, but I can't well, give it a higher I mean, rating. You do have a lot of problems. Carl. Yeah. I fully admit that. But you oh, have a cute dog. So God. yeah, I mean, that's, well, <laughs> that's the he's only also thing that matters. A, he's also a bit of a problem sometimes. Anywho, I think I'm going to stick it there. Um, so that would be uh, Steak and Shake Fries Doused in Vodka. Gross. Mm. Can you then light it on fire? Uh, yes. I, you could, like, fry it or something, right? I was thinking, like, like you do, like, the uh, baked Alaska and just go... All right, so that is going to move us to our second review scale, which is a more traditional 0 to 10 scale, telling our listeners should they go back and watch this film. I give it a 9 0.75 it loses wow. a fourth of a point for the shoe <laughs> it loses a quarter of a point for not being muppet christmas carol yes it loses <laughs> a point for not having an uglier cartoon get murdered to be fair i'd still probably find that ugly cartoon cute and be traumatized so I, as we discussed in the potato scale, I, not quite that high. I did really like this movie. Um, uh, I don't watch it every year, so I haven't seen it a thousand times like Sarah, but I do enjoy it every time I watch it. And it's one of those that even if the plot isn't, or if the finale isn't big enough for you, and if the plot isn't doing it, at least you can try to appreciate it for the special effects and all of the work that they put into it because I think that in itself lent to future films being able to do stuff like that and and this was I think computer animation was already a thing but it was very new so it was in that era where things were starting to kind of transition more to live action mixed with animated stuff so um I 
<laughs> as usual, looked over the rest of the scale and kind of judged it based on other movies in that area. I had it just in my head at an 8 when I when I was looking and bumped it up to an 8.4 based on the other stuff I have in that similar range. I just... It's it's a good movie, but I wouldn't put it way at the top of my list. But it's definitely one that I will watch again. Yeah, I'm also looking at the list because... I was pretty sure the general range I wanted to put it, and then, like, in certain numbers, I have a lot of point scales just to, like, make an 8 a larger scale within itself. But yeah, looking at this, I think think I'm going to go with a 9.7. So right around, Sarah, just a little less. Like, I really like this film. I have said many times, I wish the ending was a little bit better, uh, but... It's fine. It's one part of the ending in that, like, Eddie clowns around and it kills the henchmen. You still have the fight with Doom, which it, it's all right. It's very quick, but it's it's worth it. And you get the Doom reveal. I think maybe part of me not liking the ending is the Doom reveal isn't as big because I know it's going to happen. And, like, I'm familiar enough with the film having seen it a couple of times that like oh i i know how the mystery ends i know i know who killed i know who framed roger rabbit i know where the will is that's not new information for me so if you haven't seen the film in a while you're really gonna enjoy it like if you can appreciate the mystery without knowing how it's going to end which you won't if you've listened to this podcast say, now that they've listened to this podcast they know anyway so right I think, yeah, I think it deserves a 9.7. I can't give it a 10 for the reasons I've mentioned, but it's still very good. Alrighty. So, that is gonna bring us towards our final segment. But before we get there, Sarah, can you tell our listeners where they can find us online should they choose to do so? You can find us at retrograding.fireside.fm. You can find us on Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. And our music is done by Dominic Barnes. Who continues to be great. And this is going to bring us to our final segment, which is, guys, I learned something today. Did you? And believe it or, believe it or not, I did prepare a lesson <gasps> from this film ahead of time. I was going to use it for a different game, and then I decided it was a perfect lesson, so I kept it for this. So, guys, I learned something today. Uh, something I took away from the film that all of our audience can mull over in the coming month into our next app is released, and it is simply, file your will before you get murdered. That's going to end this episode here. Uh, catch you guys next time. do that did sarah take off her headphones no <laughs> now i can just make you yell things from the floor uh... these will be some great outtakes <laughs> i'm looking at halloween decorations on target.com homestarrunner.net it's dot com uh, um...
Why is my dog right Why there? Oh, I so cute. Why does Mark yeah. look so confused? Was it the robot? Why does my dog look confused? No, Mark. Oh, Mark looks confused. I'm gonna have to get up now. Sarah, I'm back. You have to get up from the floor now. No! <laughs>